Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where readers can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more author interviews and book recommendations. You can also follow us on social media at Day Beautiful on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Today's guest attended Dartmouth College and received graduate degrees from Columbia University and the Bank Street Graduate School of Education. She is a recipient of the 2016 Catherine Griffin Writing Fellowship at Sarah Lawrence College and was a 2019-20 fellow at Bookends Novel Revision Fellowship where she worked with founding director Susan Scarf Merrill. A native of New York, she currently lives in Connecticut with her family. Her debut novel, My Last Innocent Year, is out now. Please welcome Daisy Albert Florin. Hey Daisy, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. I read uh, My Last Innocent Year probably a few months ago at this point, and it's just been on my brain since. I recommend it to so many. I, I know a lot of booksellers, so they're getting arcs. I'm like, just read this and let me know what you think. Oh, thank you. So super stoked to talk to you. Um, I'd love to hear just like what the book is from your perspective. I like to cut through the publicity copy and all the mumbo jumbo. What is My Last Innocent Year about in your perspective? Um, my last innocent year is um it's a coming of age story. It's set on a college campus in New Hampshire um in 1998. And the main character is Isabel Rosen. She's from the Lower East Side of New York. Her dad owns um a a kind of Jewish uh specialty food store known as an appetizing store. Um which sort of sets Isabel apart from her more, you know, affluent peers. She's from mm-hmm. this kind of like a little bit unusual working class background. Um, and she's in her final semester of college when she meets um, a writing professor um, named R.H. Connolly, who is subbing for the regular um, writing professor for that sort of advanced seminar she's taking. And he is a former once famous poet. Um, His shine has dulled a little bit and uh, he takes an interest in Isabel's work and then eventually in Isabel as well. Um, It's, you know, again, I said set in 1998, sort of with the loose backdrop of the Clinton Lewinsky scandal. And I think it, um, really looks at questions of consent and power um, and sexual politics in a, in a pre me too moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I um, often talk about like privately, a lot of my friends know, not, not obsessed. What do I want to say? I'm very interested in like the Clinton Lewinsky scandal. So I was fairly young. I think I was eight or nine when it happened, but that was like my first, like, scandal I remember existing in the public eye right now like scandals are every day and so I read I read a lot about it I a lot of podcasts you know I've like it's it's a personal thing of mine and so when I saw that like in the publicity copy I was like oh can't wait but then like the novel it really does a lot of beautiful things with like you said consent and power dynamics um I also love like cozy settings and like a a New Hampshire uh college is so it hits like everything I loved about it. And then, and then you delivered. And so I guess what I want to ask first is how do you take something that has been done before, like um, coming of age, power dynamic, young girl, older man, 
and make it so interesting and make it so fresh because it's it's like a trope that's out there and it's a, and I love it. I read I love it. But you made it really good. How did you do it? <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, yes. I think that I think that was a little bit of a challenge for me because I felt like I was writing a story that, you know, mm-hmm. had kind of been written before, but you know, you can only write what you're sort mm-hmm. of interested in and what you're yeah. obsessed with. And I was kind of obsessed with all those things that you're talking about. Um, and I felt like, well, I'm just going to write a novel that I would like to read. And I felt like I would just bring my own spin mm-hmm. to it. Um, I did have um, an agent at one point say to me, you know, it's when I was still like revising it. And she's like, it's it's good. You know, there's a lot of campus novels out there, which is great because people like to read them. But you got to make it just like really good. Mm-hmm. Like there isn't sort of a, you know, there's not like a big hook there. So you just got to like really yeah. deliver. So I'm glad to hear that you think that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just sort of like, like I said, I just put all the things that I was really obsessed with. I drew, you know, I drew a little bit from my my own experience. Um, the novel is not autobiographical, mm-hmm. but kind of the broad outlines of my life. Or I'm from New York. Um, I, you know, Isabel, who's the main character, and I both have Jewish fathers. Um, we both, um, you know, go to went to colleges that are similar to Dartmouth. I actually, you know, went to Dartmouth mm-hmm. in the nineties. So I just kind of like put a lot of things that I'd been thinking about for a really long time. Um, like I said, I went to college in the nineties, yeah. not exactly at that same moment, but I just, so it's been a while. I've been thinking yeah. about this stuff for wow. a really long time. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I find a lot with debut novels, uh, a lot of people I feel get asked, oh, is this about you? Which I always avoid because, yeah, sure, you have to draw from your own experience. But, you know, the odds of it being exactly autobiographical are small. But uh, I love to hear that you pulled things that you were super interested in. Um, were you have you been thinking about this novel like specifically since college or no? No, yeah. no. Um no, I, I started, I really started thinking about this novel. Um, I started writing it by which I mean, I just was like writing scenes and just like pages and pages of dialogue that was like attached to no scene in particular mm-hmm. um, in 2015. Okay. Um, and I had just, you know, recently turned 40 at that mm-hmm. time. And I was kind of grappling with, you know, like I had sort of crossed like 40, which I, there was like a lot of sort of like cultural messaging to me as a woman that I was like old and, you know, all these kind of messages that I had absorbed over time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just started to really think about my youth. You know, I had been like, it seemed like I had been young for such a long time. And now I had kind of like crossed over. I was no longer young, which now I know is not true. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually, you know, was, you know, still young. Um, but I just started to think about my youth and just like how my youth looked from the perspective of being in my early forties. And also what um, I could remember being in my early twenties and looking at people in their early forties and sort of what they seemed like to me. Um, So I was just kind of really interested in like interrogating that, that like that line, that Mm -hmm. divide. Um, And then I just, it like brought me right back to, to my college years, which, I'd always, I've always loved um, reading campus novels, novels set on college campuses. And I thought it'd be fun to try and write one. So that sort of came to me right away, the setting. 
Um, and campuses, I think the reason, I mean, a lot of people like to read campus novels and they have kind of a little, like a little sub genre in um, the literary fiction world. And I think because they're just, you know, novels work best, I think, as um, stories under pressure, mm. stories that have like a ticking clock. And college is like the ultimate pressure cooker. Yeah. You're there for a short period of time, although it feels infinite when you're there, you're kind of suspended in time. And especially a college like Wilder, like the one I created that's in this small rural community, you're almost like out of time and out of place and um, just suspended there. And you have this ticking clock. Are you going to get what you set out to get while you're there. There's sort of like a limited population and all these people of different ages are kind of crammed up against each other. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so all those things just felt like really fertile. And um, and then you just sort of add like a forbidden love story into that mix. And it's just like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, it hits everything that I enjoy reading about. And and especially, I, I, I always mention this, the coziness. And coziness could be anything to me. It could be like just great characters who make me feel like I want to hang out with them. And this, it, it, I just felt wrapped in this book um, in a way I haven't felt in a long time. Like it was very readable, which is a great compliment from my perspective. It was just like, I could turn it, I could turn it. And then but it also was like making me think about a lot of things. Um, basically, this is just going to be like 30 minutes of me, like telling you how much I love your book. Oh, <laughs> you can do uh, that. <laughs> yeah. um, so 2015 was, uh, I'm going to, yeah. yeah. Okay. So 2015, you had graduated a while ago yeah. from that, at that timeline, you also got like graduate degrees. So you were in school for a while, but like, were you writing that entire time? Were you like, did you think Daisy, I am going to be a writer or were you doing a whole nother career? I was, um, so my sort of trajectory, like mm. looking back, I was always a writer. Sure. Um, I sort of just like grew up with like people who in all these different ways were, involved with words. Um, mm -hmm, no one mm -hmm. was really like a novelist. No one was really a writer, but my brother's a journalist and my father works, um, worked in the theater business. And so I was just mm -hmm. surrounded by like storytellers and people who were interested in words. Um, so I was always a writer, but I was like the kind of writer, like I could write a really good paper for school, or I was like really good at like writing essays. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people would say like, Oh, you're a really good writer. Um, but I didn't really think it was anything that I was doing anything special. I was just like, oh, it was like a party trick. Like I could like churn out like a 10 page term paper and it wasn't really that hard. Mm -hmm. um, so I graduated from college. I did things again, like sort of around writing. I worked as a journalist briefly. I worked in book publishing. You know, I was always kind of like circling around. Um, and I got a couple of master's degrees um, in my 20s. I got mm -hmm. a master's degree in American studies, where again, I was studying kind of American literature, but also history and politics and how I like kind of like the intersection of all those things. And I got also um, a degree in early childhood and elementary education and ended up teaching elementary school and then preschool for a couple of years. And then I was home with my kids for a long time and just kind of doing that. Um, and I think I really started writing in my late thirties. I sort mm. of started to take myself like seriously, like as kind of like, I'm going to write as just a way to like be heard 
um, because I was really just like kind of buried with kids and doing all of that. So I started writing then. Um, I was writing first like kind of little essays about my kids. Then I was writing personal essays about my life. And then as I became more serious about my writing, I really wanted like, I wanted a bigger project. I wanted, I would write these like four or 5,000 word essays. And like, it was hard to like, where was that? What was I going to do with them? So mm -hmm. I just wanted to take a, like a, have just like a really long runway. And, um, and I also felt like I wanted to write about things that hadn't happened to me. You know, it was like, I felt limited by just like writing about things that had happened to me. I wanted to write about things that I felt that I had observed that had happened to other people, just like the vibe around me, even if they were experiences that I hadn't had. So that was how I came up with this idea to write yeah. a novel. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, so the Me Too movement really picked up steam like in 2017-ish. So did that affect how you were like approaching this, this work? Definitely. Um, definitely. I, so yeah, if I started writing in 2015, that was before Trump, yeah, yeah. before Me Too. And the, it's, it's possible that those things kept me going through, mm. through the writing process, which took such a long time, but I felt like every day I was waking up and I just had, you know, more I wanted to say and more stuff to layer on. Um, there was just an urgency and I, I felt like I have to get this story out. Um, so that timing was definitely very, um, very important. Um, you know, there were times in the, the, you know, the book takes so long to write and I had different, you know, a lot of different versions, a lot of mm -hmm. different ways that I approached it. And then for a while, the book had this second timeline um that sort of involved like the 2016 election just because mm. like I was kind of losing my mind and I yeah. had to you know like put yeah. it into the novel but I ended up sort of pulling that out but um but yeah for sure that definitely impacted the writing tremendously mm -hmm. so from 2015 2016 2017 you're writing um and you just kind of touched upon what I'm about to ask but what were do, did you kind of know where it was going the entire time? Did you have an idea of where Isabel's story was going or did you? Yeah. No, I did not. Um, I really had like, right from the get-go, I had the two characters. I had Isabel and I had Connolly mm -hmm. and I had the setting um, and I had the rough time period, although I did play with that a little bit, but it was always like mm -hmm. the nineties. Mm -hmm. um, and then some of the secondary characters kind of emerged early on. But in terms of like the plot, um, that took me a, a really long time. And my um, my husband, who is not a writer, um, but loves story and would sort of just like, he was always really supportive, but he's, you know, he was like, I don't know how you can write a book and you don't know what it's going to be about. And then I was like, I know, I don't know how I, how that is possible either. But I really had to like write my way into the story. Um I only knew what I wanted to say by actually writing it. Yeah. Um, it was just like sitting down and putting the words on the page. I would like tell myself the story basically. Um, so it just did that part really came like came together almost toward the very end. So mm. it was like, I had these two timelines for a while where it was like the, the action that takes place in 1998, which right now is, is the bulk of the book. And then I was sort of 
cutting back and forth to like 2017 and Isabel and Connolly meet again. And they have, you know, so I was trying to like work those two things together um, and it wasn't quite working. It just wasn't really that 2017 timeline wasn't really adding to the story. So when I finally like figured that out, then the book kind of fell like a stack of dominoes. And I was like, okay, now it's done and it's ready to go. And, Mm -hmm. um, but that took a while. Yeah. Earlier you mentioned how when you were first writing the book, it was just a lot of like snippets of dialogue and that's how you were, does dialogue propel you or or is that, what does that, does that come supernaturally for you? You know, I think that's actually, I haven't thought about that, but I do think that I kind of, I wrote a lot of dialogue, a lot of pages of Isabel and Connolly um, talking to each other. Um, And I think it was kind of me almost like, interrogating my younger self in a way or mm-hmm. I don't know it was just mm-hmm. that was that was a really that did come kind of easily to me um and really just at the beginning I would just write scenes um mm-hmm. and some a mentor of mine along the way said you know if you can write scenes you can write a whole book because you know book is just a collection of scenes so <laughs> I was just writing scenes and then you know trying to stitch them together later you know it just, it it was kind of like, you know, that quote, you know, that you can write a whole novel, like headlights on a dark road and mm-hmm. you can only see what you can see. And I just took a lot of faith. I was like, okay, I'm just going to choose to believe that and just yeah. keep going. Um, one thing I want to talk about is you, I, I haven't seen this in an author's bio that I've talked to, but you were a fellow in the bookends novel revision fellowship. Um program tell me about that because I don't think I know a lot about it actually yeah it's a it's it's a relatively new program I was in the third year of the program and I think now they're maybe reading for the seventh wow um it's run by um uh Susan Scarf Merrill who's uh an author um and she is in uh the SUNY Stony Brook MFA program and Mm -hmm. she runs the program with Meg Wolitzer and it's for lack of a like a better descriptor, it's like a novel incubator, like a mm-hmm. novel in a year kind of thing. Huh. Um, so it's really designed. When I was in the program, there were nine fellows. Now I think they've expanded it to twelve. Um, and you kind of work on your you you have a if you have a finished draft of a novel that you're just trying to take to the next level, mm-hmm. um, it's really meant for that. So you work about for about a year. Um, and I did that from the summer of 2019 until the summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked, you start at the Southampton Writers Conference. There's a piece where you're out there on Long Island at the Southampton Writers Conference. And then the rest of the program is is pretty much remote. Um, not remote, but you're just, it's virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked with two writers in a pod for the first six months. And then you work one-on-one with a, a mentor. And my mentor was actually um, Susan Scarf Merrill, who mm-hmm. was really instrumental in helping me finish the book. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I think the program started, um, they have an MFA program at SUNY Stony Brook. And people would graduate from the program with books that were like almost ready or just not quite ready. And so they kind of started the program to sort of bridge that post MFA. I have a novel because it's hard to workshop novels, really. Um, Yeah. Like I started out trying to workshop the novel 
And in a workshop, you're really only reading, you know, 10 pages at a time or 12 pages or something, but to get like a group of people to really read a whole novel and help you structure it, that, that can be hard to find. So that's yeah. how that program. And it's just a great program. No, it sounds super amazing. What, what was not to dive too into like your time there, but what was like the most beneficial thing that came out of it for this novel for you? Well, part of it was there was, um, I rewrote the book twice in mm. a year and um, you're just probably not going to do that on your own time, you know? So it's kind of, you're in a group that's like a little bit of a positive peer pressure, you know, you know, like everybody's kind of working. So I really rewrote the novel in the fall of 2019, like start to end. I kind of like let the, I retyped it, like let the whole thing pass through my fingers again um, and that was really illuminating in a lot of ways. And then when I worked in the spring with Susie Merrill, I rewrote the whole thing again. So it's just like, it's just, I remember some people at, you know, before we started, you know, we were in Southampton, we were all kind of heading off to like go home and get started. And people were, you know, kind of freaking out. Like, I don't know if I can do it. And I remember Meg Walzer was like, well, you've tried it some other ways. So why not try it this way now? Like those other ways haven't worked. So let's just mm -hmm. try it this way. So um, I think I was also like, just, I think my, my novel, you know, sometimes novels are just ready for the program. And I think like, I just was, was, I was ready. Like yeah. I just, I don't know, just the program met me at the my, the program in my novel met at the right time. They were Beshert or whatever. So yeah. meant to be. So that that was 2020. Yeah. Um, how long after that would you say like it was ready? It was done. It was or not done, but like ready to sh send off and be sold and everything. So um, one of the things that the program offers at the end is um, that your book will be read by an agent. Mm. Um, which is not a, it's not that this agent is necessarily going to be your agent or is going to take it on. It's sort of just like one data point to help you see, okay, yeah. you've worked on the novel and here's how like an agent is responding to it. So I did meet with an agent that summer who read the whole thing, which is not a small thing because when yeah. you are yeah, sending your novels out, it's hard to get agents to read like, you know, the first five pages. So to have, you know, that dedication. So, um, that was in the summer of 2020 and I got really good feedback from her. And she said, you know, she asked me to do a few revisions and then she would look at it again. Um, and so I did, and sort of by the fall, she had passed it to someone else in her office who, who did sign me at that time. So mm -hmm. that process for me was, I mean, the, the gap between, I mean, there was maybe like two months where mm -hmm. I was like waiting. And that was, I heard you talking to Laura Worrell. I'm on a, I was yeah, listening yeah, to yeah. that and she was talking about the time that she was waiting to hear back from agents as really like horrible. And it, yeah. it wasn't as long for me, but it really was really, really dreadful. You know, you're like checking your email every two minutes and it's like, you're, you want to like take your phone and like run over it with your car. Cause you just can't. It was yeah. very stressful, but um, I think that when I, I think, you know, I've, 
a lot of the work that I did to get myself ready to send my novel out to agents was really internal. Um, you know, I'm like about to turn 50 years old and my debut novel is coming out. So a lot of the process of getting myself ready to share my work, I had been doing like silently and quietly for like decades. And so when I finally like sent the book out, I had this weird confidence in it that I've like, I can't even has like, I've almost never felt it in other parts of my life where I just was like, I feel like it is ready. And I feel like someone is going to like it. And mm -hmm. I've never like felt that before. That's not like a common feeling for me. Um, but I think because I had done a lot of that, you know, I had just been quiet for so long. I just kind of not really put myself out there for a really long time. So when I finally did, I was like, and now I'm ready. So yeah. Uh thank you for sharing that and then bring up Laura because it's like the, that part of the selling, I think a lot of people get that's like the bro yeah like everyone says it's the worst part about like the book selling experience is actually doing it getting an agent and then figuring it out from there yeah yeah um, i had um, a friend um a friend of mine from a long um from a while we were friends in our 20s and he's a literary agent and i sort of asked him for advice when i was pitching the novel and he was like oh yeah like you'll get an agent but you know then you have to sell it and that's the <laughs> real heartbreaker. And I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> I forgot about that piece. Yeah. So, you know, um, so that's another part, right? Like, you know, you have the agent and then you send it out. And then if it doesn't sell, it's like, you know, that's another real heartbreaker. But yeah, only getting the agent is like a big hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and like I said, like my last innocent year is just, so stellar and like you were talking about how like you're confident in it confident in it and i just feel yeah this is one of the like just most well-rounded novels i've read in a long time it just hits like so many different points and i've said that at the beginning of the conversation but you should be confident you should be very well, proud i of mean this. i'm now i'm like not as now i have ah, yeah. again but of you know course, i feel sure. like i yeah at the time it, I, and i only bring it up not to it was no, just I like it, it was though. an unusual yeah. feeling for me um, yeah no and i yeah and, and i just I, I just find that fascinating because i think a most writers I talk to say something like that in one way, shape, or form, and I, and I just always like to call it out because you know new writers listening to the podcast or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just want I them think, to know there's just so many different paths, so many different feelings, so many different stories. Yeah, I mean, I think that the one thing is like, you know, when I was when I was working on the novel, and maybe people I knew knew I was working on a novel, and you know, people want to be nice, and you know, oh, I know someone who's an agent, or I have mm -hmm. this friend who's like an editor, and if you ever want to reach out to him, or reach out to her, and and I just was like, I I wasn't ready, the book wasn't ready, um, and I would sort of say, oh, my, you know, thank you so much, but, you know, and I just wouldn't, it, it was ready when it was ready, and if I had sent it out sooner, um, it would not have it would have been a bad idea. So I think it's just like, hold on to the work as long as you can. Um, I, it's like, we want to get that validation. You know, we want that. We want people to tell us like, oh, this is good. Keep going. And you can get people to tell you that, but, um, but, yeah. you know, don't send it out to agents until you really, really feel like it's ready. Yeah. 
Definitely. And one thing I didn't warn you about before we started talking, so I could edit all this out, but uh, yeah. I usually ask for book recommendations. And when people ask me, I completely blank. blank. So yeah. I'll ask, but like, take your time. Uh, yeah. Has there been anything you've been reading or that's also on your radar that's that you want to give a shout out to that you're interested yes, in? Yes, I am prepared for this question because I've been asked it, but I was asked it some other time <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, how embarrassing. But um, I actually just finished um, two good books and one is fiction and one is nonfiction. Um, the nonfiction is um, Strangers to Ourselves by Rachel Aviv. Mm. Um she's a New Yorker writer and it's about, I, I am not going to explain it very well because it's extremely um, clever. Um, but it's about um, different psychological case studies and how the stories that are told to people about their mental illness um, is sometimes a hindrance to their care. Um, so it's really interesting. And then the other book I, the novel I just finished is, um, now is not the time to panic by Kevin Wilson, mm -hmm. which I am just really, I'm actually, I will say I'm listening to it on audio and I have probably like 20 minutes left. So I'm almost done, but um, I really love it. It's set in the partly set in 1996 um, about two teenagers who create this viral work of art that causes a panic in their um, small town in Tennessee and I just love, I love the nineties piece of it and what it, like how teenagers functioned in the nineties, um, to create art and to consume art, especially mm -hmm. if you're living in a small town that doesn't really, you know, isn't sort of on the cutting edge of everything. Um, so that one I really liked and he just has a great voice and he writes teenagers really, yeah. just really well. Um, and then the other thing I'm just sort of rereading now, um, for an essay I'm writing, is The Assistant by Bernard Malamud, which is a book I looked at um, when I was writing this novel, because if if you're not familiar with it, it's um, it's from the late 1950s. It's a post-war novel set in an outer borough of New York. Um, the Assistant, it's set in a shop, a, like a grocery store run by um, Jewish shopkeepers. So I, I did refer to it and it, it's it, the it's mentioned in the novel, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. but it's a it's a pretty dark a dark tale of crushing poverty and um, lost dreams and um, anti semitism, but um, but it's it's worth it's worth a look. Thank you so much to Daisy for joining the Day Beautiful podcast to talk about her debut novel, My Last Innocent Year. You can find her on her website at daisyflorin.com on Instagram at Daisy Florin, and then Twitter is Daisy underscore Florin. You can find Day Beautiful at daybeautiful.net and all social media at Day Beautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful. Beautiful.